Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I'm Aaron Osborne, your host. Um, this week, my guest is my friend Nate Newton. Nate plays in Converge and Doom Riders and Old Man Gloom and is an awesome guy uh, who I met a couple of years ago now. Um, my band I Exist toured with Doom Riders some time ago and we've kept in touch and uh, I thought it'd be really cool to get another international perspective on the podcast. Um, and Nate has obviously had like a pretty interesting career so far in music and I thought it'd be really cool to get him on to talk about some of his experiences in Converge and Doom Riders and, you know, like his experiences in, you know, just playing music for a, a profession, I suppose, and how that's, you know, influenced him as a person and uh, throughout his life and, you know, now into having a family and, uh, yeah, so I thought I'd have a chat to him, um, as with the other ones that I've done with like Colin from Twitching Tongues and Chris from Harm's Way. This one was done uh, over FaceTime, so it has a couple little audio niggles here and there, but for the most part is good that this one didn't drop out, so that was fantastic for the first time. Um, but yeah, I just recorded this one today, and it's a bit of a delay this week as one of my other ones didn't line up, but it was awesome to get Nate on and have a you know, conversation about music and stuff. So I'm glad this panned out and worked out really well. Um, so yeah, here is, uh, Oblivious Maximus episode 14 with Nate Newton of Converge and Doom Riders. Enjoy. Brutal. Well, yes. First off, thank you for doing the podcast. It's awesome to have you on here. Hey, it's good to be here, man. Thanks for asking. My pleasure. Um, the voice you're hearing is Nate Newton from Converge and Doom Riders and many other musical acts. Um, yeah, so I've started all these podcasts off by basically asking people what was the first, uh, you know, like your earliest memory that you have of you know, something that switched you on to being interested in music and what changed in your life or, you know, like a moment that you can remember that was like, oh, fuck, I really love this stuff. <laughs> like, Man, that's a real tough one because um, my uh, my grandfather was, was a musician mm -hmm. and so there were, you know, always stacks of records around the house and, uh, you know, my parents were always playing music. So, you know, my earliest memories are of my mom singing along the records in our house. And like, there was always music on. So, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it was just sort of ingrained in me really early on. Um, I, I remember the first things that I really fucking loved that I was super stoked on. Yeah. Um, like when I was like four or five, probably four years old, um, I fucking loved Kiss. That's amazing. I, I remember, <laughs> I I remember that uh, when I was made for loving you was on the radio. Yeah, and like I I know that that is like you know Dynasty is the record everybody hates, but 
I was fucking stoked on that song, man. Yeah. <laughs> I used to <laughs> I used to jam when that one came on. That's and then um I think the next thing I remember really, really being excited about was uh was the Grease soundtrack. The soundtrack. I was like so into that. Like my, my parents bought me the the LP and like I would listen to it over and over and over. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and was that like Kiss and things like that? Was that a catalyst for you to start playing music yourself, or was that the influence of your family? That uh, playing music that didn't come till much later. Yeah, um, I actually didn't really have any interest in it. I, di- I didn't even really think that I could. I you know I think that's like the 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 most important thing like my, my grandfather the, the who uh, was a country western musician he passed away yeah when i was when i was like two years old mm-hmm. and that kind of left a big void in my family sure and so i think that there were a lot of unresolved issues for you know like my mom and my grandmother and my aunts and so like when it came to the, the idea of playing music, like none of them played. And so like, yeah, when it came to the idea of playing music, I, I just think no one ever really, it, like, I think they had a lot of bad memories, not necessarily of my grandfather making music, but since they, had, you know, they had lost their father, they just, it, it wasn't something that they wanted close to them. I yeah, guess right. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. So, so like it, it kind of was, too close to home for them after such a big occurrence happening, you know? Yeah. And so as I was growing up, it never seemed like something that was, um, I don't know that that it was attainable. Like I didn't know that I could do that, you know? Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. When I was in eighth grade, I, uh, I met a friend at school and, uh, he skateboarded and like I was way, way into skating and, went over his house one day and he had a guitar and he knew how to play some, some Metallica songs. And I, I was like, Whoa, <laughs> like, you can do that. And he yeah. was like, yeah, man, I'll, I can show you how to do it. And then he showed me some stuff and I was like, yep, I'll, I'm doing that. I'm getting one of those. <laughs> so was that, uh, obviously, you know, kiss and things were, were at a fairly young stage. Was that, uh, around the time, like eighth grade. And that was at the time where, sort of more alternative music started becoming prevalent through skating and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, probably sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. Seventh grade, probably. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I was, I was into skating, so I was into Thrasher magazine and all that stuff. And like, you know, that used to be the, you know, the back pages of Thrasher magazine, like in the eighties was just, you know, plastered with these mail order catalogs that had had like um you know the top of the page would be like complete skateboards and then the bottom of the page would be all band t-shirts you know and they were always like punk shirts yeah and so uh that and and then like thrasher had um like pus zone and uh notes from the underground and stuff like that and so i just started finding out about bands and and seeing like all the logos and stuff, even though I didn't, I thought they were cool looking, even though I didn't know what any of them yeah. were or any of the bands sounded like. And then, uh, I had an older cousin who, um, 
also skateboarded who I didn't see very often. And he gave me a tape that had, um, like, I think in the same week I got Thrasher Skate Rock Volume 1, and then he gave me a tape that had uh, Black Flag, who's got the ten and a half on one side, and Anthrax Among the Living on the other side, and that's that's pretty telling, I guess. <laughs> so it threw you right into those sorts of things. Yeah, and so that then I was like, the first time I heard this stuff, I was just like, I don't know if this is good, or if yeah. this, I don't know if they're doing it right, but... Yeah it made me want to hear it more to be like, you know, to figure it out. Like, okay, so I, I, there's something here I'm not hearing. So, yeah. I think that's very yeah. telling of a lot of people when, I mean, I, I'd say that I had a similar thing, like say like the first time I heard like, you know, really heavy death metal type stuff. I was like, I don't know if this is awesome or if this is just kind of too full on for me, but I'm really, yeah. I'm really interested in finding out more. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I mean, I've said this in, in other interviews, like yeah, you hear that stuff and it takes a trained ear to understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you hear a D beat or you hear even like a blast beat or something. And it's like, even though you can kind of follow it with your ear, you, you have to understand how it all fits together to realize how like the bass and the drums are, are, you know, actually locked in together. So like the first time you hear stuff like that, you're like, there's no rhythm. It's not even, yeah. like, you know what I mean? The, the, yeah. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. But then the more you hear it, the the more you're like, Oh, okay. I get it. And they're actually you know? playing something. <laughs> yeah. Not just noise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so so from from those you know initially picking up uh, your friend's guitar and being taught some Metallica songs, how did how did uh, you know playing music for you start taking shape? Um, well, uh, that that year, my friend, that my family had moved away to uh, to Atlanta, Georgia, uh-huh. and it, it was we were only gone for a year. So then I moved back and that was when I was like, all right, man, I can't go over this dude's house anymore and play his guitar. I got to get my own. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I saved up some money cutting grass and shit like that and bought like a really cheap, like hundred dollar guitar. Yeah. And, um, and and it kind of turned out, you know, we moved back to the neighborhood that I grew up in Mm -hmm. and it turned out that my best friend all through elementary school had also gotten a guitar yeah, and was also into like, you know, sort of into the same stuff as me. Like he was into Metallica and Megadeth and like, sure. you know, more like thrashy stuff. And I was a little more into punk, but like either way, you know, my best friend also got a guitar and yeah. we were like, all right, we, we got to start a band. For sure. And so that, that was our goal. Mm-hmm. We didn't really ever figure out how to do it, but we, made noise in his garage a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those initial bashings on guitars that start you off. Yeah. A lot, l- lot of bashings. Yeah. Um, like we didn't even know anyone who had drums. Yeah. So like, you know, we were just like, Oh, well one day we'll, you know, one day we're going to play with a drummer. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> That's the next I goal. Think, yeah. I think like it took, years like until we were in high school when we finally met some some other dudes 
that like played music and that had drums and stuff like that. And then those, it took forever. Like we never found a dude who was into the same stuff as us, you know, mm. like, cause every drummer in, you know, 11th grade, 10th and 11th grade fucking loves Rush. Yeah. And that's all any of them <laughs> wanted to do. They're trying to find so, a way to make drumming interesting for them when they're by themselves in their mom's garage. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah. then, like, I didn't really start a band until I was in 10th grade when I met other kids that were into punk and hardcore and stuff like that. And then, like, couldn't even find a drummer. My friend, just des- this other dude I knew, just decided out of the blue, I'm going to buy a drum set, dude. Let's start a band. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, had yeah, a, that- I had a similar thing where, like, I, I played guitar when I was in high school, obviously, and, like, you know, was doing the same thing. And then, but I was in a similar thing. Like all my closest friends, we all listened to metal and stuff. And there was five of us and we all played guitar and it was like, well, how are we going to start a band when all of us play guitar? So I was like the person who had the best, you know, chops at rhythm. So I just bought a drum kit and then I was the drummer. (laughs) Like, there you go. Yeah. Um, Hey, well, you know, fast forward, now you have figured out a way to start a band where everyone plays guitar. Yes, exactly. We managed, I managed to find as many people as I can who can play guitar and put them all in one band. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So when, I guess, like, as that sort of stuff was going along for you, was, you know, did, uh, like, the punk scene and uh, metal and stuff like that in high school, was that... Like, was that something that was really important for you growing up in in the environment you were growing up in? Or was that something that sort of, you know, was just uh, a thing that went alongside with your schooling? Uh, It was very important to me. Yeah. Um, Like, I, I, you know, there's no way to say it without sounding cheesy, but it was like, I remember when I met other kids that were not just you know, kind of on the outside of it in, into punk rock. You know, mm-hmm. when I met kids, there was like, that kid is a punk. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember meeting those kids and being like, all right, I found my tribe. Yeah. These are the people that I, th- this is who I belong with. Yeah. And like, you know, I started going to shows with kids and, and was just like, you know, holy shit, this is, this is what I've been looking for. You know, although the, the very first show I went to was, I went kind of by accident yeah. and I was way too young. Shouldn't have gone (laughs) kind of snuck out, went with some kids from my neighborhood and like got there, was scared out of my mind and left after maybe 40 minutes because it was a terrifying show. Yeah. Do you remember what it was? Yeah. It was agnostic front and the vandals. Oh wow. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because, um, I, uh, Converge played this festival in, uh, where were we? Like the Netherlands, mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago and Lamb of God played. I, I grew up in Virginia yeah. and, um, I was talking to Randy from Lamb of God, who's also from Virginia. And we just got on the subject of old shows in Virginia and, and he was just like, yeah, man, you're from the beach. I saw, I remember seeing Agnostic Front and the Vandals. And I was like, I was at that show, you know, and. <laughs> started talking about it and I was like I was I was real young you know I, I got scared and I left he was like dude it's good you left somebody got stabbed at that show <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, well there funny. you go 
a, a, a good way to welcome yourself into something. Yeah, well, that that kind of scared me off for a little while. But then yeah. uh, once I was in high school, um, and I, you know, like friends got cars and stuff, and like we started having a little more freedom and got a little ballsier. Then yeah. we started really going to real punk and hardcore shows all the time, and that was when I kind of, you know, I guess came into my own and and realized that that was where I wanted to be. Yeah, for sure. And how long then was it for you between, you know, finding yourself in a, in a, in a musical environment as such that you were like really, in, you know, found uh, enjoyment out of and felt like you needed to sort of start contributing towards that yourself? Like when was a, the, you know, when did it come to you to think, I got to start playing these shows too? Um, well, I started like really, really getting interested in it, in it all probably when I was 12. Yeah. And then I think, I think, let me think my, uh, yeah, my first band started playing shows when I was maybe 15, mm-hmm. I think 15 or 16. Yeah. And, uh, I couldn't drive yet. I know that, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, so that, you know, not probably, not, well, in, like in terms of being a a teenager, a very long time. But, you know, yeah. when you look back at it now, it's like, oh, God, that was like not long at all. That's no. like three years. Yeah. You know? Um. And so, like, how, when did you, like, did you stay in Virginia for a long time? Or, like, what, what was the movement for you from there? I uh, stayed in Virginia till... When did I move to Massachusetts? I moved to Massachusetts in '99, so I was 23. Mm-hmm. And what and what was the I, catalyst for that move? Uh, to be in Converge. Okay, I, right. I actually was I was actually already playing with Converge, and I had been uh, commuting back and forth, and that's like a an 11, ten or eleven hour drive. Jeez. And so finally, I was just like, "What am I doing?" You know, like there was nothing for me in Virginia at that point. Yeah. So it was just time to go. It, I honestly like it could have been anything. Mm. I just needed to go. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about that then. How did um, I guess you know there was obviously considerable amount of musical things that occurred for you before that, but um, what what was uh, you know how did you know meeting Converge and joining the band come about for you? Uh, meeting them. Let me think. Uh, oh, act, yeah. It was um, my second band. I had a band called Channel, mm-hmm. and our first show in a club actually was opening for Just a Fourteen, Dive, and somebody else. I don't know, but um, that day I, I actually met a bunch of people who are still like good friends of mine to this day. You know, like Just a Fourteen obviously is Jamie who sings for Hatebreed. Yeah. Um, Dive is uh, Matt Kelly he plays drums and Dropkick Murphys. Wow. Um, uh, and Aaron Dahlbeck was was uh, with Dive. Mm-hmm. Like I think he was just like roadieing for him or something. But um, that was uh, that was my introduction to Converge. Um, yeah. And so uh, yeah, like Aaron helped me get some helped Channel get a show up here in Massachusetts. Like. Pretty uh, pretty soon after that, and so we came up, and that was where I met um, 
Jake and uh, and Kurt and yep. Trey from Death Wish and a few other people. And uh, yeah, man, that was that was kind of it. And so then we we became pretty fast friends and uh, channel and converged toward together. And then uh, channel broke up a few years later. Started another band called Jesuit. Jesuit and converged toward together a bunch. And uh, yeah, that was it. Like they needed a bass player one summer. And just asked me if I'd go on tour with him. So yeah. I said, sure, yeah, I'll go. And then that was in 98, and I'm still uh, filling in on bass for him. <laughs> many, many years later. Yeah. So um, was was getting out of Virginia and into Massachusetts, and was that like, did uh, was that another point where, you know, obviously you said you need to get out. Once you got out, was that something that for you was like, you know, you'd now found a new purpose and a new uh, home in Massachusetts. Yeah, it, it was pretty liberating. Yeah. Um, I, I'm personally of the opinion that everybody in the world needs to move away from their hometown, if only for, you know, a couple of years. But like leaving where you live and seeing what it's like in other places is you know, it's eye opening. It yeah. changes the way you look at things. And so when I when I moved up here, it just it's so different than Virginia. Yeah. You know. Not that either one is better. <coughs> it's just you know, it's just different. And mm-hmm. I think it was just a, a liberating experience for me because, you know, it made me realize, okay, I don't have to be the way everybody else is where I grew up, you know. Yeah. The, the and the, I make that sound much worse than it is. You know, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with people in Virginia. I just, you know, like I had a lot of friends that all seemed like they were on the same path. You know, you you stay in the same place for too long, it, it you start to like feel like you're sucked into a pattern or something. And, yeah, and sure. Like, I, so it was just my way of of getting away from that you know did i need to do it probably not you know but for me it was the catalyst that i needed to say okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna fucking play music i'm gonna really really attempt to make this work sure and i mean i guess i guess in terms of well both what you're saying and you know for your musical thing as well like if uh when opportunity strikes like that and then you're already feeling like you know, you kind of need to get out. That's, you know, you, I would, you just got to go with your gut. I think it's, yeah. you know, like it, uh, if you're already not feeling a hundred percent about where you're at and then something comes along like that, why not take it? You know, like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened. I mean, and they were my friends and, you know, I, I was psyched to be a part of it. Yeah. So like, you know, for me, it just, there wasn't much happening musically in Virginia at that point. A lot of the venues had closed down. Um, there had been this like big turnover kind of in, in as far as like new people coming into the music scene. And it, it was just like sort of a changing of the guard Sure. that I, that I wasn't really interested in. Okay. Like, cause, cause that was the point when a lot of like the, like victory records and you know like more more like kind of moshy 
tough guyish kind of stuff was starting to to like yeah take really prevalence get popular yeah yeah and it just didn't interest me and that stuff was getting really popular where i was and like i felt like being in virginia trying to do what i wanted to do musically was just it was never going to get anywhere sure and i couldn't find i couldn't find like-minded people and okay. so you know it was it was just like when converge was like jesuit broke up and that was like who the hell am i going to play with now you know like yeah yeah so the converge thing was just an opportunity like all right yeah look you know hydrahead was was just starting to take off then and you know cave in was happening and or was starting and like there are all these great bands up here and things were really starting to happen and i was like all right that's where i need to be right now yeah and i guess like uh when you got up there was that like was um uh was it a was it a more welcoming thing for you finding more of those like-minded people like was it was that uh the sort of interest you had in i guess uh, it's kind of hard to describe but i would say obviously like left of center hardcore you know metal punk sort of mashed together was that like uh you know was that really popping off up there at the time that you got there it it was actually yeah it was um there was like an infrastructure for it kind of and there were tons of venues and you know some of them were actual clubs some of them were DIY spaces mm-hmm. you know there were house shows and like there was always something going on and there were just so many bands you know like bef- right before i moved up here when i was just kind of traveling back and forth and and couch surfing like yeah you know, one night I'd be staying at the Hydrahead house on the floor, you know, mm-hmm. and like I'd help be helping them to stuff cable records or something. And then like the next night I'd be like staying at Matt Pike's house, our booking agent, Matt Pike, and yeah. like, you know, talking about, you know, all these different tours he had coming up. And then like another night I would, you know, be staying at Jake's house and it, it was just like, I I was like, man, there's things actually happening here and people are like excited about making them happen and it made me excited about being a part of it. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it, it was a good thing to be immersed in. Yeah, that's awesome. Um and so f- from there from those, you know, uh, early beginnings and moving up there, where did um you know, yourself and where do you see like yourself and converge really starting to take shape from there i think the the real turning point for converge was when ben joined yeah um like i joined the band and yeah i mean you can certainly look at converge and there are different watermarks you know yeah sure I, I think anyone would agree there's converge pre jane doe and there's converge post jane sure yeah and so like I was in, in the, I started playing with Converge in 98. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, I was, and, and I had been there for like, you know, the, as like a friend and, you know, a band touring with them for the whole, you know, formative years of the band. Yeah. And so, um, like I joined the band and I think maybe I was a voice that might have needed to have been heard in the band as far as saying, Hey man, like, you know, 
maybe don't play that riff like that. yeah yeah sure like like when writing songs like i i think it it wasn't quite as much of a democratic thing before i joined the band uh, okay and, you know like i i i think that maybe like i'm an extremely harsh critic sure. when it comes to music yeah and, like an extremely harsh critic on myself and yeah. so when i came into the band that I, I think that was probably my my biggest contribution to the band was saying, Hey, like let's rethink this shit. You know, like I I remember be, before I joined Converge, I remember Kurt giving me the Huguenots demo yeah. and being listening to that and being like, What the fuck? Like, why aren't you doing this in Converge? <laughs> like you know, I was like, Why are you so fucking hooked on like trying to put these mosh riffs in the songs. Like yeah. when I hear what, like I heard the Huguenots and I was like, that sounds like you being you. Why aren't you putting these riffs in, in your, your full-time band, you yeah. know? And I don't think anybody ever came out and said that to him. And, and so I don't know, like I, I, what I mean is that I could see a lot more potential than what was being reached. Sure. And it, because I could see how talented Kurt was. I could see how talented uh, of a lyricist Jake was. And like, you know, I, so that was, that was it. But then when, you know, when Damon left the band and, you know, my friend John jumped in on drums for like a year, but you know, that just didn't work out because, it, you know, different personalities sure. and whatnot. But when Ben joined the band, that was the first time that like right away we knew like okay we're actually capable now of doing all these things that are in our head yeah you know, sure. like because we we never had a drummer that was able to to, to play the way what, you heard things going yeah and so when ben was absolutely the the turning point sure. for converge yeah you know if if he hadn't joined the band it would not be what it is yeah for sure and so, um, how long from then was it, uh, you know, did you see that change rolling over in outside of just yourselves? Like, obviously you could see it, uh, you know, pretty much from the get go, as you said, from playing with him. But when, when did you see that change start taking shape, uh, you know, publicly, I suppose. Um, like, do you mean, you mean the way people reacted to yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Like the reception you inherently would then receive. It took a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think people noticed right away that Ben was a better drummer and that we became a better band. Sure. But, like, you know, we were tighter. But for, you know, for years we were still playing songs off of Petitioning the Empty Sky and, and When Forever Comes Crashing and even earlier stuff. Yeah. So um, I think now that Jane Doe has been you know, out for what, 15 years or something like, yeah, a long time. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> old. Um, I, I think it's a lot easier to look back on it and be like, Oh yeah, that was a paradigm shift for, for the band. And maybe even in the hardcore scene somewhat, Yeah, I, you know, I don't like taking credit for things like that because it was a scene and a lot of stuff was happening, mm. but, um, Oh, it's you, like, you're aware it was important. You can, you can commit, comment on that. <laughs> I mean, I can see how it influenced some people, yeah. you know, but whatever, you know, it's just, 
that happens. Yeah. But but like after the record came out, it definitely I I felt like it wasn't an immediate thing. It it was like I I knew that we felt like we had written something really good, mm-hmm. but like it wasn't overnight. It was definitely like people were like what the fuck is this? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, like that's not what you do. That's not what you guys do, you know. Yeah. And so that was the first time I felt that the band reached its potential. And sure. like it took I I mean, I don't know. Maybe the other guys will probably have a different outlook on this, but I felt like it took a couple years for it to really sink in with people, you know. Sure. And then when it did finally and it started catching on we put out you fail me and everybody was like what the fuck is this <laughs> so, you just flipped it on everyone who you just converted yeah but you know i think um like i i think that was the right move because it then set it up so that we could do whatever we wanted and, yeah you know when you kind of set up a pattern of not knowing what to expect then people don't want you to repeat yourself yeah i mean i guess that's that's uh you know a positive in the sense as well that like people are uh more you know they're not so fast to lump judgment on things too they'll actually listen to something before they decide whether or not it's good (laughs) like you know i'd say i'd argue that a lot of bands now are stuck in a trap where before they've even released their record people you know a new record or whatever people will already be jumping on either this is going to be fucking shit for whatever reason, or this better be the best thing I've ever heard. And if it's not, I'm not going to like it kind of thing. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, like all the cycle, like, you know, album cycles now and everything, it moves so much faster because of the internet and like how quickly people can get things. And there's so many bands now, you know, like every tiny little crazy niche genre out there that like you want to imagine it's fucking out there yeah yeah you know? so it's and like, there's there's a label putting it out and it is getting released yeah and so you can find it and there's a whole scene around it even though like you know it's probably just imaginary on the internet it's yeah. out there <laughs> yeah. and so like so yeah it, it seriously like people i think judge things much more harshly now not necessarily based on the musical merits of the of the record, but just on the fact that oh, that's not as good as the last one, or in their mind it isn't because it doesn't reach some weird fucking like their little checklist of what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and like, like, and they they can very easily just cast it aside and say, well, here's fifty other records I downloaded for free this week, yeah. so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that, that's, that's something I've been, I'd, I've sp- spoken to other people about as well, is that like, there's a, a big thing now where like, uh, an opinion basically that a lot of people, you know, share and convey is that like, you know, they, a lot of people seemingly are so, uh, against bands doing things differently. Like they want every record to be the one record that, is their favorite record or whatever, like nothing bands don't have the ability or, you know, the permission from people who like their music to change and do different things. And I think it takes, honestly, it must, uh, you know, it's probably different for people who play music, but it, 
you know, I think it takes a certain level of appreciation or, uh, you know, contribution yourself to realize that, like, it's fucking so boring trying to write the same songs. Like, I could think of nothing worse than trying to write a song that I wrote off, you know, the first record that I put out because, like, I don't want to do that anymore. I've done that. Like, you need to change. You need to grow. Yeah, you're a different person now. Yeah. You're in a different place in life. Like different things influence you. You yeah. know, like that I, I think that mindset has always been around. Yeah. It just might might be a little bit more magnified now because of the, the internet, internet and yeah. how like everyone has a voice now and you know, every Joe Schmo guy can go on go in the comments section and just rip something to shreds and yeah. like their voice their like their comment is just as valid as the review that it's under yeah know? sure and and reviews in and of themselves are nothing but glorified comments so yeah. like <laughs> it's just kind of the whole thing is kind of silly but like i i think that's always been there mm. and really what i think that is it, it's something that i you know i could see when i was in high school it those aren't people that love music. No. Those aren't people that that love art and creativity. Those are people that love a scene. Those are people that have a uniform. Those are people that like want everything handed to them and say that says this is your identity. This yeah. is what you like. This is what you listen to. And when you give them anything that challenges that that says that steps outside of their little you know their their little definition of what they are like it fucking frustrates them because yeah. the the definition that they've put on themselves is also you're you're connected to that because your band is something that in their mind like your band is waving a flag for their little their little scene or yeah whatever. it, it aligns it aligns like, with that identity they've placed themselves in Right, and and so you just have to not pay attention. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the best way is to just ignore it. I mean, you know, people always ask me like, "What are the bands that that influenced you most?" And like, I mean, I could go, I could spend an hour giving you like, you know, very precise musical influences. But if I'm looking at bands that taught me how to be a band and how to operate and how to not give a shit you know i'm gonna say the melvins i'm gonna say neurosis and i'm gonna say avail because yeah. those three bands always did whatever the fuck they wanted always put out the records they wanted to put out didn't care what people thought had their own aesthetic and you know like just do their thing and aren't really concerned with what people think about it yeah and I mean, it's worked to their favor. It's not, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's shown because those are all bands that have had, you know, quite prolific output and interesting and, you know, growing careers as they've gone. Yeah. And like, you know, I've been asked this question a couple of times in my life. Not, it's not something that people really ask very often, but like I've had, people ask me, you know, like, how do I get my band popular? And, you know, to my, my first, my first response is if that's your goal, you've already failed. Just fucking stop. (laughs) 
but you shouldn't be doing second, this. Yeah, my second is just man, just do what you want to do. Yeah, like, play play the music that you love, that you want to listen to, that you want, you know, that is just play what you want to hear, and if you love what you're doing, people are going to see that. Like that's what people want to see. They want to see a band making music that they love, and yeah. that makes you interested in it. You know, for sure, and you know, and that's you know, that's a lot harder to do than it than it sounds. But yeah, well, I mean, it, it know, takes a certain, once you tap into that, it's really something. Yeah, it takes a certain level of confidence as well, and you know, like uh, to to say like I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. I want to try and do something different. And I mean, I think a lot of people are afraid of that, obviously, because they don't want to, people to not like them, and they don't want people to not be interested in what they're doing it, especially when you know music it is a really personal thing but it, at the same time you play shows so people can see you play that music so you you want people to like it um yeah but you know i think i think as you said like i mean i know for sure like when we first started i exist i think the the fact that like at the time and the environment that we were a part of because of the previous bands we'd been in and sort of the scene that we were a part of the fact that like I wrote songs that had like, you know, just bluesy type riffs in it or whatever. And because that's, that's like my, you know, that's my heart and soul is ripping off. I hate God and doing things like that. And when, when I, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. No, but like when, when I threw that in the mix, I, you know, I remember initially, you know, a lot of people were just like, Oh, it's just dumb stoner guys or whatever. And it was like, well, just like listen to it a bit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's not know. what it is. No, <laughs> but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It, it is. I think, I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, I would say that the people who've made a life or they've made, uh, you know, an important uh, contribution to to music, I would say, have, for the most part, been the people that have done exactly what they want to do, not the people that have been following formulas or doing what people have been telling them to do or feeling pressure from the scene or whatever, you know. Like, I think that stuff has a shelf life and it sort of dies off pretty quickly. Oh, it absolutely does. But yeah. you know, the the other thing to 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 remember is that to make the music that you want to make and to really kind of create your own art and like and accomplish that, like that takes a lot of time mm. and it's really not easy. And so I I think that I I think that can be daunting to people. Yeah, and I think it can it it might scare some people away because it's it's real easy to look at music like fashion you know yeah. you say oh okay these are the clothes that i wear if i want people to think this about me you know okay so these are the these are the songs i need to write for people to you know like i'm i'm in a straight edge band so i need to write these kinds of songs you yeah. know or like i've got to have a mosh riff here i've got to have this i've got you know and like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because there's not. I think there's a place for that. Mm. I think that those sorts of things are, are very important in like your formative years as a musician. Sure. You know, you need to do those things. You need to learn the craft. You need to learn how 
you, like that's how you learn how to write songs. That's that's how you learn to play with other people, mm. you know. And then somewhere along the line, if it really, you know, if it's really something that that's in you, it just kind of comes out on its own. Yeah, yeah. Know? But it take it takes time to get to that point. For sure. Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on with you is obviously we met through. I exist toured with Doom Riders, the other band that you play in, and that was a blast. It was. It was very fun. Um, but yeah, so how did how did Doom Riders like come about for you? Obviously, like you were well into being in Converge at the time that you'd started that, yeah. Yeah, and w- yeah, I what, think what was the catalyst for doing that? Was it just you know, obviously you play a different instrument in it and you sing in it as well, and. Yeah, mate, just wanted to touch on how that, you know, sort of started up for you. The idea of that band um, started kind of in the 90s, actually. Like, Yeah, right. I, when I was still playing in Jesuit, um, we played shows here and there with Cast Iron Hike, mm-hmm. um, who, who Chris Pepecki yep. played guitar for. And he and I always just kind of hit it off, you know, right away because we had like pretty similar musical tastes you know like we would always be the dudes at the at the hardcore show wearing a shirt of some band that other people weren't into yeah. you know <laughs> and he would be like oh man you you're in the dazzling killman and i'm like yeah you know and you're in the jesus lizard you know mm-hmm. like shit like that and yeah. so we just always kind of talked about music and like i think we both sort of discovered um the like garagey, stonery kind of world at the same time. Sure, you know, like when we first started playing together was when like, well, I had just moved up to Massachusetts and I was like, all right, dude, we're gonna do this now. We're gonna start a band. Yeah, and like we played together for like three or four years, just just he and I, like in a room together, only playing guitar. Yeah, cool. You know, and um. At that point, it, like all of like the Man's Ruin Records stuff was was really like gaining popularity, and like we were way into into bands like the Helicopters and, yeah, and sure. shit like that. And uh, you know, I, I think at the same time in the hardcore scene and in the metal scene, um, at least you know in the in the ones that the the areas of those scenes that that we were kind of immersed. Um, things were really fucking serious. Yeah. Like every band was very serious and and like kind of intellectual and, you know, like sometimes self-indulgent and like you, you would like see these bands up on stage that like, it it was like they were fucking, I, I don't know what they thought, but like, you they would like you'd see these bands that just gave off this vibe that like what I'm doing is very important. You need to be quiet. <laughs> this this isn't a fucking joke. Pay attention. Yeah, this is this is very important. You need to <laughs> you need to fully experience our art. Yeah. You know? And like and that was a thing for for a little while. And yeah. like me and Chris, I just remember us talking and being like, dude, why the fuck doesn't anybody just play fun? stupid fucking rock and roll riffs yeah. anymore. You know, like 
I, I just remember like talking about how like we both loved Entombed. We both loved fucking Thin Lizzy. Yeah. You know, like, and we were just like, let's just fucking do a band that is just fun. Yeah. You know, let's, let's do it. Let's do something that's fucking ridiculous, like straight up ridiculous, like yeah. ignorant and fun. And like, let's, let's give the band a name that's so stupid that like, right off the bat, people decide that they love us or hate us, Yeah, you know? And that's, yeah, that was the whole point of the band. Mm. And maybe we succeeded. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the songs are good, and I think hey, that's thanks. a good reflection of that. I think the. the... I mean, you know, I'm 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 downplaying it a little bit. We wanted to write good songs too. I promise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun as well. Yeah, um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. Um, and I guess the the other sort of main thing that I've touched on with some people, and and that I you know thought prevalent to bring up with yourself as well is that um you obviously are playing in a number of bands and that is you know that that's that's what you do for a living and then you know on uh, the other side of that as well you have a family of your own you have a wife and you have a child and i just wanted to touch on like how how you know performing music and playing music is as something that's you know effectively your career how is how has that come into play with your home life as well? Like, how has that interaction, you know, worked out? I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> um, I think anybody <coughs> who does this and has a family will tell you it's you never quite figure it out. It, yeah. It's just kind of like you're rolling with the punches trying to make it work every time you go on tour. Yeah. Um, you know, I both my wife and I, our, our families are both in Virginia. So like sure. the, the help that a lot of people get when they have kids, uh, we don't really get. Sure. So, uh, you know, it, we, it's just scrambling to find people to, to help babysit while I'm gone. And that's pretty, <laughs> that's the biggest struggle of my life as of late. <laughs> it's like, you know, like getting tour offers and then just being like, Oh yeah, we have to do that, and then being like, "Fuck, how am I gonna make this work?" <laughs> I know? need someone to look after my child. Yeah, and and you know, on the uh, you know, kind of on a deeper level, it's like, how do you reconcile leaving your child? You know, like yeah, I get you know, I, I get people do it all the time, and you know, especially like I have friends in the military that you know they they're gone for like a year and a half. I'm like, fuck man. Like, yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, like that crazy. would tear me up inside. Mm. But it, it's, it's like, especially when you're, when your child is very young, it's, it, you know, it's a big deal to be gone for even two weeks. You yeah. come back and things are different, you know? Mm. Yeah. Like they develop so quickly and like, you know, I, I, I go away on tour, I come back and she's talking. You know, yeah, like, it's what crazy. the fuck? Like, <laughs> you couldn't do that two weeks ago. This is crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, and like, is like, has the way that you've you know performed music and the way that you've written music now that, and obviously that the touring and stuff like has have you noticed a change in that since becoming a father? Like, is that something that's impacted the way you've been thinking about music? 
Um, not really. It, maybe in in some ways, but like not anything really major. More more like you know when you have a kid, especially the first couple years when like it like that's a huge adjustment even if even when it's fun and you're loving it it's a huge adjustment and it really forces you to look at things in your life that were a struggle for you before and maybe prioritize them and say okay that's not a big fucking deal i don't know why i was so fucking stressed out about that yeah you know there are way bigger things to be worried about than than that and so like maybe on on that level somewhat like it's made me be like you know what i'm not gonna get so concerned about you know us playing a festival with these bands that i might not like Mm. you know or like (laughs) just whatever you know like there will be people there that want to see us play let's go fucking play for them yeah you know just kind of stuff like that yeah you know it just makes you be like okay man i used to really stress about this stuff and there's really no need to. Yeah. It's helped you grow up yourself as well. Yeah. Uh, well, that's <laughs> that's debatable. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, um, I guess the only other thing that I usually put in towards the end of these is just asking people if they have anything they would like to sort of advertise or spruik or, you know, spread to the people who will be listening to this. Is there anything you have like uh. that? I don't know, man. Put me on the spot. <laughs> listen to your bands. Uh, yeah, listen to my bands. They're cool. Um, no, convert or no, converge. When do we, converge has some stuff coming up, but it's not till later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Old Man Gloom actually just got added to um, the Sled Island Festival in Calgary next week, which. Cool. I can't believe we actually pulled it together to make that happen. It's like impossible <laughs> to do stuff with this band. Yeah. And then we've got a Old Man Gloom tour coming up in the States and um, some more Converge stuff. Yeah, man. Cool. Just keep your eyes peeled. Awesome. We'll be there sometime. Awesome, man. Well, I'll wrap up this recording. But uh, yeah, thanks so much again for doing the podcast. It's really thanks awesome. Thanks for having me, dude. My yeah, pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thanks, man. All right. Right on. Just a quick tale to this podcast. I just wanted to say thanks to everyone who's been sharing the links around and um, everyone who's been helping out where they can. Uh, It's really cool to see people liking the podcast and liking the interviews. As usual, uh, go and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram and stuff and uh, suss out the website if you want. It's all up there. Just search Oblivious Maximus Podcast. Any advice or any um, complaints or anything, let me know too, so I can try and make this better. I got cool guests coming up, as always, and yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Brutal!